to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot toddy. Good to be with you again, folks, as we gather digitally once again during this time of pandemic and corona mania and try to bring you some solid content at poor audio quality just so you got something to listen to. And tonight... We're picking up a franchise that we haven't talked about yet, and that franchise is called the uh, the something summer. <laughs> what are you oh. waiting for? Oh, sorry. Thanks for waking me up, guys. It's the I still I know what you did last summer. Always know what you did the the, the last summer franchise. That's just what we're going to call it. Besides total snooze fest and. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> there are three movies. Hey, folks. Clearly not a game of poker here. Yeah, folks, if you were wondering how, how the tone of this is going to be, spoiler. <laughs> so uh, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer, and I'll always fucking know what you did last summer is what we're talking about today. Um, uh, let's just do some initial impressions of the trilogy, uh, maybe your history with it. But I had only seen the first two movies, and they were so forgettable that I thought maybe I had misremembered them. Because I'm like, oh, it's made in the mid-90s. Uh, it's got a decent cast. Maybe I just don't remember them being okay. These have got to be fun. Spoiler. Not really. But, <laughs> <laughs> so... That's my initial take on the trilogy. You go t- catch Toddy's hands, boy. <laughs> um, I remember watching the first two when they came out, and the truth is, is that, that you know I was around the age, maybe a pinch older, uh, but basically who these were designed for at that point. Yeah. And even then, I didn't love them. I mean, it's one of those things where we've covered much worse or taxing things. Sure. <laughs> For this podcast alone, so I don't want to paint a picture like, you know, they're just ungodly bad movies. They're just not for me. Um, yeah, that's I, the, that's I had the thing. The third one, they're not ungodly bad, and I no. mean, that, like that may be the tone that you may get off of us initially, but they're not awful movies. No. They're just what? What was the? I said the uh, pinnacle of mediocrity. That sums it up so well. An astute <laughs> way of putting it. But yeah, I, I the third one was a first time watch for me for this. Same. I, I didn't I don't even know if I knew it existed. Um I remember seeing the first one in the movie theater. I was probably eighteen or nineteen. 
Um, I and honestly, I cannot recall if I had seen the second one or not. I feel like maybe I had. Didn't leave yeah. a impression. Yeah, like I don't like. It's so funny because I blended the two together. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, the one. Yeah, I know what you did last time. They're on that island. Jack Black's there, and I'm like, wait a minute, that was the second one. Oh boy, what am I in for now? So you did not remember what they did last summer? No, I had no idea what they did last summer. <clears throat> Tommy. Todd? <clears throat> well, actually, uh, I can't. I'm not going to like defend my love for the franchise because I don't really like this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do love the first movie. Um, it's not as good as uh, it, it once was, and I think... This one I might have been like this one came right after Scream. Oh yeah. And so this was pre. This is like uh, Scream took off and they, they were all itching to make movies. Kevin Williamson wrote this film uh, from Scream, and then this is like after this Urban Legends and and all the other movies that came out after it. Um, so this is still pretty early on. I remember it opened up around Halloween, and I thought it had a cool like uh, Halloween vibe, and then. Um, there's not many movies that you can pull out of horror uh, other than Jaws for 4th of July. Um, unless you want to do like Uncle Sam or uh, some other gems. Um, Uncle Sam is a straight banger, by the way. We, I, we dropped the ball by not doing that. Saw <laughs> this uh, when it opened. Uh, saw the sequel when it opened. Uh, very excited to go see that one and did not like that one. Um, and then the third one, uh, I worked at a video store and it came out. I think the third one came out way too late, um, and it was straight to video, so they just kind of dumped it all. Um, but yeah, I kind of seen them initially. I will say uh, this is definitely another movie, um, <laughs> kind of like watching like not another teen movie or a scary movie. <laughs> where I kind of remember scary movie over uh, some of that. So some of it kind of makes me laugh, like uh, now that it's on uh, because of scary movie, but. Um, yeah, so good times. All right. Okay. What well, are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> Todd, you want to hit us with the dates and details of the first film? All right. So I know what you did last summer, 1997, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Geller, Anne Heche, Freddie Prince Jr., Ryan Phillippe, and, uh, Oh, Bridget Wilson and Muse Watson as uh, uh, the fisherman. Is that his name? The, the Gort fisherman. Gorton fisherman. And uh, yeah. and Johnny Johnny Galecki. So uh, Bazinga. Yeah, before that. So. God damn it! Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> he on Swamp Pickers? <laughs> you mean Roseanne? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, Wilson. <laughs> Professor gets mad because I pick on him for Big Bang, and then he's like. But you watched like, like, dumb, dumb redneck snake hunter show, <laughs> and it's true. <clears throat> the it's all crap. Foot. It's all garbage. Uh, so we start this movie at a beauty pageant, and then they all go out to party afterwards, and. Uh, and they're arguing over this urban legend over a campfire. And they're talking about the guy with the hook for a hand or where the date goes and who's hanging above and what the scratching is, whether it's the feet or the hook. 
And, um, well, Ryan Phillippe gets drunk because he's the dumb rich kid. And uh, Freddie Prince Jr. starts driving, and then he hits a dude. And uh, they're like, oh, man, this is going to ruin our lives forever. We've got to... We got to do something about this, and I keep—I always love, like, because it's teenager reasoning. Uh, they're like, "We're gonna fry for this, right?" Everyone right. Just thinks they're going straight to the electric chair for anything. Do they not know about white privilege? Yeah, <laughs> not like you're rich white kids. You're not gonna get in trouble for this. Don't be silly. And uh, so they go to throw this guy in the ocean. Turns out he's not dead, and he grabs the tiara from the beauty pageant off of Sarah Michelle Geller. And that's where we pick up. You're not even looking at your notes. You are passionate about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's where our story begins. Who who wants to take it from there? I, I just think it's funny that uh, typically, in, you know, in a huge portion of horror movies, there is a point where we suspend the, what is normal because there's no reason why these kids should do what they do even high schoolers like all you do is you got a drunk kid get him out of the way somebody else was driving call and get this guy help he There's wasn't even absolutely he, he wasn't no even reason. driving right you what he, he wasn't, wasn't even driving. driving right and so it's just get him out of the question and you're fine but so they not, to mention, not to mention the guys out playing invisible pedestrian <laughs> you know in the middle of the right. night well, it's like we go from an honest mistake to them basically wanting to become Henry Hill and change their life <laughs> because and, everything's over if they call for help. And let's not forget the weird cold open of like the guy walking around the cliffs being all emo. I think he's looking at maybe a, that picture of his girlfriend. Yeah, a picture of his girlfriend yeah. or whatever. So that's going to play in later. But like it's such a strange cold open. You're like, what the fuck's this guy doing? And then he becomes, you know, the Gordon Fisherman and gets hit. So the invisible pedestrian. This is where uh, watching it this time, all I could think of was a scary movie where it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm all right, kids. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, not to mention, it looks like most of these kids are wealthy, and this guy's blue collar, obviously. America doesn't care about poor people. Just call and get help. You'll be all right. <laughs> My dad totally knows a lawyer. <laughs> so... Uh... We pan back, and it's a year later. And uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's their, life, their lives have not quite gone the way they had planned. Right, yeah. Ryan Phillippe was going to be Mr. Like college football star, and Sarah Michelle Gellar was going to go to the big city. and Be an and, actress and all yeah, this. Yeah, right. And they were gonna, Instead, you know, she's working for her sister's business. A retail store. It looks like Elder Beerman. Kessler's. Or uh, <laughs> Nolenberg's. <laughs> Ah, yes, the rite of passage at age 19 where you find out you're potentially underwhelming and humbled by the world. <laughs> Jen Jennifer Love Hewitt's not done well in school because she, she can't concentrate. Yep. She's got a B she, average. She, she doesn't wash her hair regularly, which <laughs> is how they show you that she's unattractive now. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is good to point out because this is the 90s. That's how you looked ugly then. If it was the 80s, she would have had to wear glasses and a ponytail. That's exactly <laughs> true. The big scrunchie. And, uh, and, Fred, and Freddie Prinze Jr. is living that blue-collar life that he was trying to escape in high school, and he is now a fisherman. <laughs> yeah. With 
Bazinga, Johnny Galecki, and they, they did, and he had a thing for Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay, yeah, that's it, and that's that's a thing that plays out because earlier. because so, Johnny Galecki had driven by as they were trying to dump this guy's body. Oh yeah, right. We can't leave that out. Yeah, you can't leave that out. And they get rid of him, be like, ah, oh, he's drunk. This guy, you know, you better get going. And so he, he leaves. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Johnny Galecki is the clear cut choice for the tough opposition. For, <laughs> for right. Alvin, he, he's playing. He's playing the street tough part against. Uh, yeah. I'm like against Ryan Philippi. Yeah, it's like he's gonna whip your little ass. Nobody's believing this. Bazinga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were used to watching uh, Sarah beat your ass on Roseanne, David. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or Darlene. Darlene. Played by Sarah. Darlene. 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 <laughs> what are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, right off the bat, we're, we're meant to assume that Galecki is part of this. And then he gets smoked right away. Like we build. Here's a, here's a, and wh why? <laughs> that that's my the first thing where I'm like, because right. They, oh, we're leaving out that the kids start getting these weird notes. I know what you did last summer. Wow, they haven't told anybody. Like the else. title. Yeah. yeah. So Jennifer Love Hewitt's the first one to get one, so she's freaked out. She reconnects with the other ones, and that's then Ryan Felipe right. freaks out. Goes down to the docks, figures it's Bazinga because he <laughs> saw him out that night. So he goes, threatens him with a, a fisherman's hook, an ice gimmick. And uh, with a rim job. Yeah, and then for <laughs> God knows what reason whatsoever, the Gorton's fisherman wants to kill David Galecki. Whatever the hell his name, Johnny Galecki, David from Roseanne, Bazinga. <laughs> I don't understand this kill at all. Why you, would the have you watched him back? Well, you would have <laughs> think that uh, they would have left him in, to, so you suspect that he's the killer, right? I, I, that his, sense. Why would the fisherman kill him? It doesn't make any sense. This, this is a. Uh, I know what you did last summer is like uh, equal to my bloody Valentine, where they're just like, we need a fisherman's town. So instead of a mining town, it's it's a fisherman. What's and then instead of a what's miner, funny to me, and you're absolutely right. And it also, it's like it it picks from a little bit of everything. That open reminded me a lot of the Lost Boys when it's coming in over the water, and it just seemed. And, and obviously, this was like we said already. Scream it hit big. Is like, and not only was it like, all right, let's do another scream. Then it was like, get the other girl from Party of Five, <laughs> and we'll star her in this. one. It was just, it was, they were so trying to recreate the success they really, that they had with oh, Scream. Because they, as same writer. Like and boy, did they shit the bed. They picked the same show. This made a lot of money. The first one. Um, I think we're leaving out. An Does not mean fact. it's good. Just means dumb people went and saw it. That this is from the exciting <laughs> novel that uh, the, the Kirkus Review says, A high velocity chiller. Lois Duncan's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Which uh, I was actually trying to reread uh, actually before this, and I made it through chapter one. But um, 
I think the book, I don't think they kill anybody. Uh, I think it's just uh, you're trying to figure out who the hell the fisherman is. Uh, the cover looks like a, like maybe a, a tampon commercial. Uh, I'm not sure what they were going with. And um, Bob is reviewing the story based on the cover. Yeah, so, well, that's how I read books. That's how I read books. I was able to see Veronica Vaughn from uh, Billy Madison playing Sarah Michelle Gellar's sister. And I don't know if you knew this, but that Veronica Vaughn is one <laughs> hot piece of ace. <laughs> I speak from experience. Uh, no, you don't. No. For a friend of mine or her. No, anyway. they didn't. <laughs> anyway. Uh, or oh, she's a royal bitch as well. In the movie. So then our next piece is Ryan Phillippe gets attacked. Oh, can I, can I say that's where Scary Movie definitely kicked in? Because all I could think about was the little dick Polaroid that said, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then when, when Freddie Prince Jr. is like, I got one too. He's like, you got, you got a baby dick? <laughs> Maybe I just blended Balloon. both movies together. Balloon nut. Uh... <laughs> So, I had said earlier that that opening sequence reminded me of Lost Boys. That first book kill smacked of Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me a little bit. This whole movie feels to me like a quilt patchwork of other movies. Like the scene where Freddie Prince Jr. is getting chased by the car. Anybody watch this movie? Did it remind you yeah. of Terminator? It reminded me of Christine a lot. I was going to say wow. And also, why does nobody go off the pavement when running from a car? Like, they're <laughs> zigzagging in the street, but never it goes into the tree line. Like Running like a cartoon no character with their arms up <laughs> Yes. <high>. Yes. <laughs> so I do, I do like that. Uh, so, um, Don't look at my notes. So I can't even read. <laughs> so Sarah Michelle Gellar gets one. Uh, Ryan Phillippe gets attacked. And then uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar gets her hair cut off. <laughs> and then Freddie Prince Jr. is like, I got a note. And they're just like, fuck you, you're the killer. <laughs> yeah, they're like, then, you working ass, you did it. Then they go visit the guy that they think they killed. They go visit his sister. Played by Anne Hage. Yes. Minus you might not one. recognize her in this because you don't see her butthole like you do in Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyways. And uh, <laughs> so they well, find I out. Hope, I so hope this is not the first episode somebody listens to of this show. <laughs> I, do, I do like that she talks about how he killed himself and she has a note that she hid. And I was like, how do you know Sarah Michelle Geller is not working for the insurance company, you crazy bitch? <laughs> so, so there it is. So they think they killed a guy named David Egan, and which is this 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 this, this lady's brother. I, Did you just have a stroke? I just stroked out. Do the birthday song. <laughs> And so, come to find out, I didn't kill David. Can, Egan. can we take me? I'm since I'm with you. Should I? Should I let you know that uh, I went to a Trump rally over the weekend, and uh, <laughs> I'm passed, not wearing a mask. You done passed the Rona on Jimmy. 
Um, so the sister says, you know, the sister's like, no, nah, well, my brother accidentally died, but he actually killed himself. But so we got the insurance money. You know, they passed it off as actually he, uh, death. He passed himself away. And so they're like, no, we, we killed him. And she's like, no, he left this note. And the handwriting on the note matches the handwriting from the notes they've been getting. It's the same Sharpie. So somebody suicided this boy. <laughs> and now they're after them. Where was Hillary Clinton it, yeah. at the time? They Epstein this boy. And, yeah. Uh, Where's the list, Hillary? <laughs> but the emails. And so, so we get this big Freddie Prince Jr. misdirect. We then are led to believe it's Freddie Prince Jr. He's too gorgeous to kill. And if he did kill, you'd let him. And so we find out that David Egan, <laughs> the reason he was out being emo at that cold open in the movie is that he had accidentally killed his girlfriend in a car accident. Is it accident if you're drunk? I don't think it was intentional. Well, true. <laughs> so, um, so we find out that the killer is not David Egan. It's that girl's daddy of the girl that David Egan killed in a car accident. And Teddy, the pizza delivery guy from the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, when they do the reveal, it's not really that exciting because the movie hasn't been predicated on that mystery. And so it's really kind of unnecessary. It's like, okay. And? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a total letdown because... They're like you're like oh it's I, it's it's a revenge story for someone I didn't know or care about the whole film, right? Yeah, it's it really crowds the script. I, I I don't know if they're just trying too hard, uh, you know, kind of like a victory lap for Williamson. But I've never understood. I didn't back then either. I was just like, well, that seems like um, a little extravagant. It, re we, it really didn't make the killer any scarier if anything it gives a much more human uh, element to where this all started at so what we find out is that he had killed david egan before they hit him and they hit him and dump him in the water which he comes alive and grabs her tiara and they're just as good as it sounds so then, but the name they see in the paper is that David Egan is dead because this guy didn't die. Right. They see the obituary and run with it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's move. I'm over this movie, dog. <laughs> but you're right. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> do we have anything else to say about this? Uh, uh, I do, I do want to say uh, that there is a scene that gets me every freaking time is the uh, department store where he hides under the plastic. I know he's going to jump out and I know it's going to happen every time, but uh, it does get me. It and then I, it, what was you going to say? I was going to say that we have to, because we've made fun of this so many times, the scene where Jennifer Love Hewitt is turning with her arms out to her side, <laughs> screaming, what are you waiting for? As there's an aerial camera. Oh my like, God. More ham than a Christmas dinner. That, does it, does that happen again in the Does that happen again in the movie 
Or does that happen again in the sequel? I don't know. As that happens again in the in the sequel. Yeah. That's I, it's kind of like their version of an intermission. You know, you're around the halfway mark. I think that's why people didn't like. Outside. People don't know there's a third one because if she's not in a third movie to do it, then you know. Didn't happen. All right. Um, well, I, a couple of things I want to mention before we move on from it. Uh, one thing I do want to give it credit for is that for as kind of mainstream popcorn, uh, just uh, clearly trying to make a lot of money with this as they did, there is a pretty decent amount of on-screen violence and even some gore to it, um, which typically with those movies, there isn't. And so that is one thing I want to mention and give it credit for is that if you're going into this thinking it's just going to be complete teen fluff, I mean, they went a little bit more heavy on that than movies, kind of its peers do a lot of times. Maybe that's because it's the 90s. And the, the ending um, with, with taking the fisherman up and the way we chop off his, I mean, we're finished with this, right? Yeah. Yeah, so with the way we take off the hand and then send him off into the water, all of that build up, all of the the narrative twist is so lame. Like it, it, it wasn't is. interesting at all. It wasn't worth the wait. It wasn't cool. Like I wanted well, to see like, when, something when, a little like, bit more memorable. The the hand with the hook still inexplicably, inexplicably in the hand is brought up on the net. Yeah, and it's like as soon as you see that, you're like. Well, he's not dead. You know, it's like, it just, it's all so predictable and only gets worse with the next movie. And we also forgot to get the totally forgettable other plot device that they did nothing with was that they would see dead people or dead bodies and then they would disappear. Right. Oh, yeah, like in the trunk of her car. Yeah. Her trunk was filled with live crabs. Like, yeah, it's like... She ran to the cops and was like, I got crabs. And he's like, Yeah, and then she goes get somebody, they come back and they come back and her her trunk is completely empty and clean. Are you sure that she didn't do one of those for that? Or like, what are you waiting for? (laughs) And I don't want to be that guy who's like watching Godzilla and says, Here was where the fiction starts. But I understand that we're watching a slasher movie, but some of the things like that are just come on. Well, there's a hard to believe to it. Like, that has its roots back in the older mysteries like Agatha Christie novels, uh, Ten Little Indians, these kind of things where it adds to the intrigue of it. it there was no point in it for this other no. than to just gaslight our victims. Just, they're crazy. These things weren't really there. But it yeah. never goes anywhere with it other than we'll typically see where they've been amassed. But who cares? And that's the problem with so many of the, the things that we branch off in this. And then just one last thing, and it's a trend in this that I hate is the very last fake uh, fake out with the scare at the end. Like, yep. you don't know it's coming. It's like, okay, cool. They're still alive. Great. I'm glad the last... Uh, how long was this? 101 minutes for a movie that should have been 85. I'm glad that part of that was making sure that I know that it really was for nothing. We're yeah. right back where it started. Yep. Anyways, what are we waiting for? Hey! Bazinga, let's move on to the next. So... The second film, I still know what you did last summer. Hot Tommy, dates and details. Am I on that one already? I still know what you did last summer. 1998, so one year later, 
Um, we have Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, Muse Watson as the uh, fishermen all returning with new cast members Brandon Norwood, Makai Pfeiffer, Bill Cobbs, Matthew Settle, Jeffrey Combs, Jennifer Esposito, uh, John Hawks. Am I forgetting anybody else? Because there's a couple uh, a little old school horror people in this uh, one. Jack Black, did you say that? Oh, well, yeah, there's a reason I didn't mention him. The white Jamaican motherfucker, Jack Black. Um, and then uh, definitely uh, MIA from this one, because uh, I would definitely say the selling point of the first one was Kevin Williamson. So he's uh, long gone from this one because of uh, his workload. Um, but hey, uh, we're all we're we're back, and uh, now there's a now it's uh, he knows what he did. They did last summer and the summer before. So basically, because I thought to myself, how are they going to begin this when we had that last jump scare at the end, showing that he wasn't dead? Friday the thirteenth. Well, <laughs> it was a dream. Yes, and then. She's in and the opening scene sequence, she's like in the confession booth. And immediately you you know exactly what what is gonna happen. It's not a priest, it's the Gorton's fisherman. But that's a dream. He offers her a fish stick through the screen. Going going a little crazy here with a dream within a dream, and then Predictably, the the male interest leaps up, follows her out. You know what I mean? Like, and the whole opening of that movie was some of the most predictable shit that you have. I don't ever want to jump to the life. end, but I'm just picturing right now that you had to love the big reveal at the end of this movie. Um, we'll save it. We'll save it. I was 20 minutes in and I called it. But yeah, go ahead. You couldn't guess it by his name. I was not paying that close of attention. That that was weak as fuck. Nobody got that off that name. Which this is where Ryan's going to be like and reveal his name, but I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Good, guys. He's Will's son. Um, well, for Will starters, this movie son. takes place one year later, so the title doesn't make any sense. No. Nope. Right off the bat. Um, so it should I, be I, I Know What You Did. I know what you did two summers yeah. ago, or I know what you did this summer, summer and last, last. the summer before, and before that, because you killed me. I know yeah. what kind of shit y'all <laughs> been getting into these past few summers. I know what you did, bitch. Which is what the new the remakes. That's the reboot. Sorry, gave it away. I've been doing erotic fan fiction for these, but <laughs> what they did that summer is not speakable on here. I uh. <laughs> I do too, uh, but uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar died early on in my script, and uh, Ryan Felipe <laughs> and uh, Freddie Prince Jr. are uh, oh boy. Selling, on, selling on that fisherman's boat. Ooh, Ooh, happy Pride Month! Lots With, uh, of lots of lots of docking going on at uh, seaside town, and it also involved anal hooks. This went off the fucking rails. I Again, thought we were watching Candyman. I if you don't know what an anal hook is, and you had to Google it, anal hook is almost what the killer has, but with a little a little ball on the end of it to to stick up your bee hole. So, right. Professor, uh, Professor Dolls back in here. Um, well, take control, Benny. <laughs> it's hard to follow up there. With right off the bat, I don't like the setting for this film. We the, we've got Jennifer Love Hewitt at college. She 
Uh, her roommate wins a trip to the Bahamas. Uh, surprise. Her. Jennifer Love Hewitt's still not doing well. Right. <laughs> She's still with FPJ, um, but that's Rocky. Yeah, so, I mean, that's basically the, the quick gist of it. and The rest of the stuff you'd expect. Uh, the they, they win a trip to the Bahamas, uh, and she, her roommate, her roommate's man, and a guy that likes Jennifer Love Hewitt, kind of dorky, whatever, for them so head there. So over-the-top dorky that is a, a alarms went off so hard. Right. And, um, yeah, as you'd expect when they get to the island, not only do you have uh, a little cultural appropriation from Jack Black, um, and uh, you, the watch this movie while you can, down. folks, because they're going to pull it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, as you'd expect, the messages start to show up, and we're right back where we started. Cue the cookie-cutter stuff. Uh, I will say, uh, again, I, don't even, I don't even know who directed this one, but it is kind of cool that, uh, especially at the time, I don't think Jeffrey Combs is somebody that they're, they're trying to throw in a big budgeted, because this had an even larger budget than the first movie. Uh, so it's cool that Jeffrey Combs was in there. I, I liked the first one really well, and I lined up to see this one. I, uh, there's a few things that I like about this movie, but the first off, Jack Black, I was like, where the fuck did this guy come from? And I don't even think, I don't even know if Jack Black was popular back then, because I, I definitely didn't know it was him until later. It, yeah. He would be more effective if it were more of a party movie. Like, there's not a bunch of kids on spring break. It's entering the end of peak season and, you know, stormy weather coming in. And there's not a lot of people there when they're at the karaoke bar, when she sees the first message uh, referring to, you know, the killer being there. This isn't jam packed like those kind of, you know, just goofy archetypes that are used in these movies usually are injected in the middle of a big party section of the movie. He doesn't fit at all. He's completely disjointed, which makes him yeah. 10 times as obnoxious as he would be where he belonged. They, they wanted that character to be the, the comic relief because apparently they thought this the rest of the movie is going to set real heavy on everybody. Shocker, it is not heavy or that involved. When you have and viewers looking into Jennifer Love Hewitt's eyes, there is no comedic relief. Can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> she has eyes? <laughs> That's sexist. Uh, so like, Freddie Prince Jr. bought her a ring, and he's like saying he's not going to make it for the trip, but he's wanting to surprise her. But then he actually doesn't make it because mysteriously something happens to him and his buddy. I and wonder what, what could. I wonder what could have happened. Did that set off anything for anybody watching this movie? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's quite the stunt, too. <laughs> Like has has our has our predator been waiting out on this stretch of road for how long with a mannequin? Just by chance works out. Like what the hell is this? And then he makes it in time to go on the trip. Right. <laughs> Mind blown. Uh, Jeffrey Combs plays the concierge at the uh, hotel they get. I was I was happy to see Jeffrey Combs. Yep. And he was a jerk, which was great. Broken clocks right twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, if you complained about the first movie killing people with no making no sense, this one definitely. I'm like, what did she do but clean your room? Like, kill the yeah. maid. You kill the guy that drives. I guess the guy that drives the boat makes sense, so that way they can't get off the island. But uh, so you, you killed the help. So I don't think it's people start getting picked off one by one. Jennifer oh my Hewitt god, we're, sees we're, it, but no we're marooned. We're marooned on an island. The killer's here. We can't reach anybody for help. It's the storm season, so we don't have any way to get word out. So uh, killer chases everybody, picking them off. Jennifer Love Hewitt keeps seeing the scenes, but when she brings people to come see them, there's nothing there. Now, is this when she was referred to as Jennifer Love Huge Tits? Because she is in the bikini uh, quite a bit in this movie. Not yet. Not often enough. Um, well, I didn't watch Party of Five, so I don't know so, but Freddie Prince Jr. escapes the hospital, and he's got to get to the island. Which is weird that Freddie Prince Jr. is like the star of this movie, like right under her, and he's not in the movie. It's almost like they had this weird subplot that just. I feel like, like this is five. Had two days he could film. This was like five movies together, and uh, and they just threw out a lot of it. And it's very shining, in that Freddie Prince makes all this effort to get there. And then once he gets there to save the day, like just gets his ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about how? What was your reaction when Voodoo was brought into the storyline? Like Jaws four, the novelization. <laughs> Grizz, yes, yeah, he's shaking your head. I, I figured it'd go one of two ways for you. It either hit for you, or it would you hit you exactly how it hit me. You do not disrespect voodoo in my presence. <laughs> as soon as that, I said, oh, God, voodoo. Oh, man. Like, as if Jack Black with dreadlocks was not bad enough, you got to throw voodoo in this storyline, too. Yeah. You do. All right. Should we round third and head home on this one and reveal the ending? What are we waiting for? Okay, so, I... I have a burning question. How did they put the message on the karaoke screen? How did that happen? It's a good Ooh. question. Good one. That's that's where I, I left the movie. I was like, well, you took me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I was out, dog. <laughs> uh, so who wants to do who wants to reveal the killer? Oh, I will. Cool. It's the guy who was hot for Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was extra dorky and super nice and just setting off every alarm because it was so heavy-handed throughout the whole movie. And he is boom, 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 the son of the fisherman. But wait, the fisherman's alive as well. Ah, and what's his name? Well, his last name was Benson. Get the it. fisherman's name is Ben. Ben's like Ben's son. son. Will is Ben's <laughs> son. Stupid. <laughs> it's a cartoon ending. Is this, where, so is this where Ryan reveals who he's Will's son? <laughs> we learned that Professor is Will Smith's son. <laughs> I knew uh, it. Well. I got nothing. <laughs> just how about when old boy just 
punches the shit out of Jennifer Love Hewitt. Because she's <laughs> part of the movie. She, she's, he just straight up punches her. Do you think there's a del- do, you, do you think there's a deleted scene where he's like, party of five, bitch? <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, remember when that DJ called you? That was me. You got punk, bitch. And yeah. Knock her out. How weak is that? It wasn't really a radio contest. I pranked you. Like It was just, all a setup. Uh, Talk about then, a big setup. Like, you're going to buy she, she four, people, four people tickets to the Bahamas? Right. Plane, a plane trip. Why not just two? You a good deal. You Why have the resources. Two? You have the resources to fake being a radio station giveaway winner. <laughs> take, take them to the, the Bahamas. <laughs> Put a mannequin out on the road also to deal with the one previous guy that doesn't work. All of this when you know where they live. You and can you have just as, you're a, you're a fisherman. The title, you're, the title clearly states, I still know what you did last summer. So I would imagine he knows where they live. But again, that's our that's where we veer off to have well, ourselves. Well he had her unlisted phone number. Well, then, right. Couldn't My he have? Favorite. Couldn't the fisherman have got on the boat that Freddie Prince Jr. was on and just killed him? Right. Couldn't My favorite is that they like they ha- he has his son hold Jennifer Love Hewitt like a half Nelson, <laughs> so that he can stab her in the chest with his fucking claw, his hook. <laughs> and then, right. and then good. Couldn't he have just teamed up with Jigsaw for a much cheaper rate to <laughs> right. get something put together? Uh, that would have uh, required six sequels. Don't wish that upon so, any of us. So how is it that uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt gets out of the way at the last second and the Gordon's fisherman stabs his own son, which who didn't see it coming when the kid's holding her in the full Nelson? Gave him the fist sticks. Oh my god! I just, I just killed my son, and then Jennifer Love Hewitt shoots him like Doctor Loomis, <laughs> and then, dumb, dumb, dumb. He, the fisherman, falls backwards into a pre-dug grave, and then as he's laying there, it starts raining, and the mud starts to kid. <laughs> my God. But, I, uh, you know, something creative, I, I think that they really wanted to at least branch off from kind of the predictable at that point and go into the future and maybe shock us that he's still here. Uh, so, legit, there, the original script, the, the son, his last words to Jennifer Love Hewitt is, I'll always know what you did last summer. Ah! Why can't they say that summer? Because Lois, Lois Duncan would not allow it. I guess. Yeah. But they would also owe rights to Garth Brooks for his song that summer. Oh. Didn't know that. Yeah, it's about a it's about a cougar picking up a younger guy, but different different storyline. Yeah. <laughs> so uh do, do we like this movie guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did, we didn't tell you what. <laughs> this 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 is a. I think I don't know how long it stayed in. I think this movie made most of its money. This is a horror movie that made almost all its money the first two weeks it was out. Because this one you actually, 
because there were no other horror movies getting put out at that well, people people like the first one but most people did not like most people like we're gone with this one and i think that's why they had a third one lined up and i think besides the fact that they, it took too long to make it because uh brandy freddie prince jr and jennifer love hewitt and they already have the name picked out from this movie which is i'll always know uh and i think it was supposed to be around a year or two after this and then for whatever reason it didn't get filmed and and that's where we're uh, about to pick up i know what straight to video too. market the real the, the i'm not surprised that it basically ended the franchise even though we've got one more to cover what i can't believe is that jack black's career took off <laughs> so J jack black had just done this and fan uh or not fantasia but uh never ending story three never ending story, story. <laughs> do you guys want to talk about those instead yes at this point i'm open okay last movie what are we waiting for <laughs> oh. i'll always know what you did last summer top dates and details so what he said and uh this one's straight to video 2006 uh, starring Brooke Nevin, David Patke, I don't even know how to say his name. He's the only person that I definitely know is in a bunch of movies. Uh, Tori DeVito. It's bad time. Ben Easter. Seth Packard. And uh, I was going to say the, uh, the fisherman, he is of importance. Let me dig through here because I'm drawing a blank and I shouldn't. Oh, Don Shanks is the fisherman in this. So, um, who also played Michael Myers. Mm. Uh, Whose picture here looks like a plan Tonto. So I'm not sure if that's that's going to get removed soon off IMDb. Um, so yeah, this is a uh, this is straight to video market. Especially sequels were hot. Um, especially if you didn't get a your proper like a Urban Legend and uh, all the other movies. If they didn't have them churning out, hey, let's just make a straight to video one. Uh, so there you go. Uh, no returning cast. Uh, uh, other than the plot of the fishermen, you could definitely tell too that this is a different movie. That they were like, we can make this work. As uh, I know, you did last summer. They didn't. <laughs> but I, uh, I do quickly. I, I always like to post when I'm watching stuff on Facebook. So because it's, <laughs> I, I do like. Uh, sometimes people don't even respond, but it is always nice to to see people respond. This has been my favorite one. They should put this on the video box. Uh, at some point, the killer has to decide they pay their debt to society and go harass some other group of teens, which obviously this person <laughs> hasn't seen. I'll always know because that's pretty much what he did. So, but uh, yeah, that should have been on the video box. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, so we start at a carnival, which, which every every yes. franchise has a carnival in it at some point. It, it's up there at some point. Yep, and uh, the teens are talking about an urban legend around the 4th of July, and then all of a sudden, the Gordon Fisherman shows up at the carnival. <laughs> and uh, turns out they're just pulling a prank, and uh, their buddy, Tony Hawk, wants to do some sick skateboarding <laughs> tricks. It's <laughs> part, part of the prank. And uh, somebody moved where he was supposed to land. So he goes to do a sick grind and a sick grab and uh, gets dead. Gets impaled by a tractor. If and I he's a, the son of a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And so what happens is uh, now that their friend's dead because of this prank, they all are convinced that they're going to fry for orchestrating the, the prank because that's what happens. Can my privilege. And uh, so they burn the, the fisherman's suit to cover it up. And then a year later, they don't they like swear. They yeah, swear. They swear. <laughs> They're never going to reveal it. Who is this prank on? Us, the viewer. <laughs> like this is this is the whole. Yeah, you're right. The whole movie is a prank on us. But they do this big elaborate prank that gets a friend killed. It's like, who is this prank even on? The town. The whole crux of the film, and it doesn't make any goddamn sense. You just summed up the movie. Oh, that's it. We can wrap up now. <laughs> I uh, I lost my I lost my train of thought there. Uh, what much? They don't like each other anymore. It's a year later. They went their own separate ways. They're all shitty to each other, but they all start getting "I know what you did last summer" text messages because <laughs> now we've all got cell phones. And, oh, and guys. Here's another thing. This thing is when you pop pop this in, this is so obviously straight to video. Mm. Like if you did not know going into it, you know one minute in that this is a straight to video movie. The acting is so bad. And I mean, Sarah Michelle Geller, Freddie Prince Jr., Jennifer Love Hewitt, not exactly known for their dramatic acting jobs. Let's be honest. They, they, they are not but they can Robert sell them. They can sell a I Know What You Did movie. Yes. Or, or Scooby Doo. Now, this movie, these actors are a step below those actors. This wouldn't even be a good student film. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, when, you are right. when they do the prank at the beginning and that guy does the skateboarding trick. I actually said out loud, what in the hell am I watching? Because it it felt like I was watching Michael Scott do parkour around the office. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so... Ladies love the hair. Yeah, it's just like when, when kids make movies in high school, they do stupid shit like that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do a trick just to show off for the camera. Except it's, it's like we're a, watching a third film in a franchise. It's like a producer said to the writers, hey, uh, uh, my son really likes that Tony Hawk's yeah. Pro Skateboarder game. Put skateboarding <laughs> in there, too. A Steve Buscemi. Hello, kids. <laughs> Just so bad. So bad. I, I will say, uh, and that to me, that's where they should have went with the movie, is the only thing that I liked about the movie was that the the fisherman is actually like a ghost and dead and, and looks fucked up, which why not just use that the whole movie? Um, the mystery didn't sell in the first two movies, so why do it in this one? Seven minutes in, I wish this movie was over. <laughs> like, it was just so taxing and so bad. And they set up the entire premise of this movie um, in half the time of the original movie with none of the character development. And it's not like the original had much character development anyway. They were very simple archetypes. But this doesn't bother to try to flesh out a character at all whatsoever. They have that plot 
set up in 10 minutes. This movie sucks. Bad. Mm. Mm. So, uh, in the rest of the time of this episode, uh, can I sell you on my script for I'll Forever Know What You Did Last Night? You may not. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, I, I don't even, okay, everybody, can let's, let's give the basics. So, uh, the killer hunts down and kills off the kids one by one. There's, there's yeah. the rest of your movie. And yeah, you have the heavy, uh, heavy-handed melodrama that's been throughout this franchise, just overacting. So bad. Yeah, I mean, dude, we just want to jump to the end. There's really not much to the plot of this. No, fuck no, there's not anything to the plot. Please do. Um, well, without spending any time on it, it's literally, uh, it's been again eight years later. Uh, he's stabbed in the head and pushed in a snowblower. There you go. It's the Gordon's Fisherman. <laughs> I'll never watch this again. I'll never watch no, the hell no. again. The first I'll one I would be willing. Any of these again. No, I'm over. The first one, the first one I would be willing to watch again, but not frequently. But the second and third, I hope I never have the misfortune again. Yeah, I, I like I say, I had seen the the first one. I know I had seen it. Um, and they weren't offen- The first two are not offensively bad movies to me all, at all. But there's just nothing about them that sets them apart from anything else that gives me anything that I can't get, but done better in something else. Yeah. So the chances of me rewatching it are just just so mediocre. So mediocre. I think that's why they jumped ship after the second movie and moved on. Cause and it, it was a it, smart choice. It wasn't going to be Scream, like where Scream had no at least three movies in it before the you know there was a long time till the fourth one. Um, but yeah, like other than like Urban Legend and stuff, which you know they they were every movie was just different people. So I think just trying to do a franchise where you kept the returning stars. I, I think at that point they they weren't wanting to do the movies and. And and nobody like I don't. There's not a there's not a large fan base after the first movie. And I'm glad you brought up Urban Legend because like the second and third Urban Legend movies aren't good, but at least they're entertaining compared to this. They tried. Well, this is exactly this is the same studio. So I remember when the I'll Always Know came out. I mean, it's it's definitely hard to watch because uh it it was easier to watch when it came out because uh you're just used to the straight to videos, but uh. I remember liking the third one better than the second one, um, which isn't saying much, but um, that's gonna yeah. be a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah, they definitely don't hold up. I still like the first one. Hey, at least this third one avoided having the fake out at the end. Oh, wait, no, they did that dumb <laughs> shit again. <laughs> Do I'm they like, think people are going to go, well, people aren't going to be satisfied with a I know what you did movie if at the end of it we don't do the fake out. Right. Uh, one observation I want to point out just as a whole is that I think this shows really the importance of a good director as well because Kevin Williamson uh, had Wes Craven catapult scream. The faculty is actually really good and underrated that Robert Rodriguez did. Williamson wrote that. 
I think that it's not to say that Williamson isn't capable and that he necessarily he even wrote a bad script for that first film. I think it just that really shows the difference and where things go from there. Well, who knows too what got put on screen because you know, like what was this movie, uh, Killing Mrs. Tingle? And then he had to change. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then at that point they should have just pulled the plug because they couldn't even call it that anymore. So, because that one that's Lois Duncan's source material too, isn't it? No, that this bitch wrote two books. Lois Duncan. <laughs> Lois Duncan she, wrote a bunch, I think. She wrote well, two hundred. Like like these kind? Because I don't remember this one and the magician one where they're in a a, a magic magic house. Maybe I'm thinking of that. Uh... I think you're thinking of the guy from Green Mile. <laughs> Sing the birthday song. You smell burning toast, Todd. This lady's not Lois Duncan Clark. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Lois Duncan the lady that wrote the other stuff, like that wasn't R.L. Stein? No, she was the founder of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I quit the show. <laughs> No, she, Over, I think uh, she wrote a decent amount along with uh, R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike were yeah for that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I was like, I was like, it wasn't like some Lowry lady, was there? Yeah, no, no, this lady. Anyway, she wrote "Killing Mr. Griffin," which probably became "Teaching Mrs. Tingle." <laughs> I don't know. I tried looking it up and it pulled up Superman, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, good times. Hope everyone has a, a safe and happy 4th of July. So, do you think that uh, if we were COVID-free next summer that everybody would be like, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah, nothing. None of us did anything. I'll probably we watch, we watch this think, franchise. I'm gonna send this to you guys every year. Like <laughs> I know you guys did last summer. We watched. Now, is this I know what you did last summer. First, uh, referring to our first summer episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm here, dead set. I'm gonna tell all of you right here, right now. You guys sitting here with me, everyone listening. I cannot, in good faith, recommend these to anybody. No, no, no. I can't even make a. Uh, you know, a caveat and say, well, if you're into this niche, yeah, if you're into bad 90s horror movies, <laughs> you could still skip this one. These guys, th these movies were the only reason they had any success is because it was the 1990s and there wasn't anything else being put out. Yeah, That wasn't a, a beaten to death franchise at that point. So that's the only reason it made any box office. Had this been released during any other time, they would not have done the dollars that they did. Product of their time. I wouldn't recommend any of them, but I think a uh, percentage of people would enjoy the first one at least. But I won't recommend it. I think uh, there's, if you there's, love vanilla ice cream, watch there's it um, there's some at least some redeeming. I I think the biggest thing is what Wilson pointed out earlier. These movies easily could have been um, PG thirteen. So at least they oh, yeah. they didn't try to sell out the horror community and, and, and water it down even more. If you think mayonnaise is spicy, check these out. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the Midwest. What are we waiting for? For the Midwest Monsters podcast and the whatever you did last summer franchise. I am 
one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Underwhelmed, Professor Wagstaff. <laughs> Venomous Venom. Hot Toddy. Stay scary. I know. That's the Corpse Fisherman. <laughs> <laughs>